the things that we believe that are, are closest to God's heart. I'm going to kind of test your memory here uh, as we go through these, and uh, I'll give you the first line, and then uh, you repeat the second part to me. So the very first one we looked at a couple weeks ago, probably the most important one, is that Jesus is life, and the rest is details. Let's say it together. Jesus is life. I'll say Jesus is life, you say the rest is details. Jesus is life. The rest is details. Good. That's the first one. The second one that we looked at last week is almost just as uh, important, and I'll give you the first part. You see if you can fill it in. Lost people matter to God, so they matter to us. I'll say lost people matter to God. You say so they matter to us. Lost people matter to God. Lost people matter to God. Awesome. We're gonna get these. We're gonna get these. You're, you're gonna get them by the by the end of our series here. And today we're moving on to our third core value, and it's this: we worship God, not tradition. We worship God, not tradition. It doesn't mean necessarily that all tradition is bad. We just got done with a sermon series talking about what it means to be Lutheran. That is a tradition. <clears throat> Lutherans aren't in the Bible. I hate to break it to you, but that is a human-created tradition. Not all traditions are bad. Some, some of you have uh, family traditions that you do all the time. When my family would take trips in the summer, we, would, we have this brown 1988 Subaru station wagon. Everybody ever have a Subaru station wagon? Oh man, these things are awesome. Man, we rocked that thing. It was 105 degrees on our trip to Washington, D.C., and the air conditioner went out. Awesome. It was great. But some of my favorite memories are my favorite traditions that we had as a family is that sometimes we drive through the night and we go really long distances. And sometimes my, my parents would say, We're just going to drive through the night, and boys, you hop in the back and we lay the seats down in the station wagon in our, uh, in our uh, sleeping bags, and we would lay in our sleeping bags, and we had this old uh, TV that was like a cube, basically, this is pre-flat screens, uh, and a big cube, and we would watch movies laying down in the back of that Subaru station wagon underneath the stars driving through the night. Some traditions are worth remembering. Some traditions are worth repeating. You have your own family traditions, and we have our own family traditions here as a church. But when you think about, should we worship God or should we worship tradition, you're like, come on, Pastor John, that kind of seems like a no-brainer, right? If, if I had you raise your hands, uh, is anybody worshiping tradition over God this morning? Anybody? Okay, that's kind of what I thought, right? We don't want to admit it. It's not the first thing that comes to mind. We think, why would we do that? But let's just do a little test here, and don't lie, because you're in church, but you're going to raise your hands for this one, okay? How many of you, when you just be honest, because it's happened to me in other places too, how many of you, when you walked in this morning, you looked at the place that you normally sit? We don't even have pews, people. You looked at the chair you normally sit, and somebody else was in your spot. Anybody? That happened to any of you? It's my tradition, baby. I always sit right here in the gym. I sit right here, right? Or whatever that is. Who says that we don't have traditions, right? How many of you, when you come in here every single morning, before you come to your seat, you stop in the back and get coffee? Anybody? Oh, come on, people. We're Lutherans. It's like the third sacrament. Come on, drink your coffee, right? That's kind of what you do. You come in, that's what you do. How many of you gave a high five to somebody after announcements? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We have our traditions, right? We, we, we go through these things, and maybe we have more than we thought. And we laugh, and we it's silly, and we giggle at these funny little traditions. But the problem is... It doesn't always stop 
there. A few weeks ago, we talked about the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how it's so easy to think that the Holy Spirit can only move in certain ways. <coughs> in my tradition, right? It's so easy to start believing that maybe the way that we do things here at Hope, even the way we do things here at Hope Des Moines, is the best way of doing them. Because we all know that Lutherans are right. <laughs> maybe the church that you grew up in, maybe the denomination that you grew up in, that that is, the Holy Spirit is with us and not with you, right? We start to believe that that's the way it is. And if you don't, oh, let's see, if you don't sing a certain kind of song, or maybe if you don't worship in a certain kind of way, or maybe if you don't pray in a certain kind of way or for a certain length, or you do Bible studies in a certain kind of way, even maybe churches should be a certain size. That if you don't do an altar call or whatever it is, then it's not the true way. Then your tradition is wrong and my tradition is right. Remember the most dangerous thing that you could hear said in a church that's seeking to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit? If we're that church, which I hope and believe that we are, the most dangerous thing that could be heard around here is, that's the way we've always done it. I'm sure you've never heard that anywhere before, right? If we're not careful, what we can do is that we can elevate our own preferences, our own needs, our own traditions, our own desires, our own ways above God. And it becomes an idol. And you say, wow, John, that's, that's a little harsh, you know. But the danger is that we do that individually, but we can start to do that collectively. And, and I'm not saying this is us, but it's certainly a temptation for us, I believe, as the church. But the temptation churches will fall into is that sometimes we can unknowingly create traditions or certain criteria that you have to meet to fit in. And it's nothing that we'll ever say. And that's the sneaky thing about it, is that we are creatures of habit. We're creatures of tradition. If we don't check ourselves once in a while and ask ourselves, how is this affecting the people around us? How is this affecting the people we're trying to reach? Well, that's when we get into trouble. When we start thinking about, well, well, maybe I have to certain, meet a certain criteria to fit in here because that must be their tradition of what I wear or how you look or how much you know about the Bible or even what you did last weekend. And when any of those things become more important than people that are outside the church experiencing the love of Jesus Christ, then we've gone off track. Then we've lost our way. Then we've become a clubhouse and not a church where certain people are allowed. We never say that. There's no sign on the outside of Hubble that says only these kind of people are allowed. But by the way that we act and the way that we talk and the things that we do and the way that we treat each other, we might as well put a sign out front that says we value our traditions a little bit higher than you experiencing God's love. I'm not saying we do that. I'm saying that's a danger for us. Have you ever asked somebody, I hope that you have a lot of friends outside the church that don't know Jesus. I hope that you do. Have you ever asked them what are some of the biggest barriers and fears that they have to even ever stepping inside those doors so they can hear the good news? Have you ever asked them 
I want you to watch this video closely and see maybe this has been you at some point, but it also helps us get in the mind of those who are trying to break in to our traditions. Let's take a look. See you in three hours. The church is full of weird people. I could have told you that a long time ago. I could have told you that a long time ago. Uh, if you're wondering, all those questions and fears, and we laugh and we giggle and we make light of them, they're real. And there's people that will never step foot inside our doors that are asking those questions and that those doubts and those fears are the barriers that are getting in the way of them coming. And chances are it has to do with an experience they had at a church, with a church. We have a lot of trust building to do as the church of Des Moines. And if you're wondering all those questions and all those fears, you can let them go. Everybody just take a deep breath. Just let it out. You don't need to bring any of that stuff, and no, you don't have to pay. That's not what the offering's for. <laughs> you can let it go. It might be a stretch, but sometimes it's probably been you with some of those doubts and some of those questions and some of those fears. And often, the traditions that we invent surrounding our faith can actually get in the way of our relationship with God. And that was the case in our scripture today. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2 is where we're going to be at today. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. If you need a Bible, grab one under your chairs. I'd love for every single person to have one uh, today. There's plenty of Bibles to go around, so we're going to look up this story together. After you find that, I want to do a little exercise, and it's not a bad exercise to do on a regular basis, just to kind of check your heart and see where you're at with this whole Jesus thing. What I want you to do is, after you found John chapter 2, this might be kind of risky, but I want you to close your eyes. It's okay, nobody's going to bite. Just close your eyes. And I want you to imagine just you sitting right where you are this morning. And I want you to imagine Jesus himself in the flesh. Jesus is with us in spirit, but Jesus in flesh, walking in the back doors of the gym right now and walking up the aisle and sitting down next to you. So what does he look like? What is his personality like? How is he acting? How would you describe him? Okay, before I lose you, open your eyes. I know it's early. So how would you describe him? Don't, don't yell it out, but, but I, I would imagine, I'm just guessing, that most of you would say kind, gentle, warm, nice to be around, friendly, smiling, maybe even laughing, very caring, very gentle. Well, today we're going to meet a side of Jesus that <laughs> maybe you've never experienced before. Look at the Gospel of John, and we're going to pick it up in verse... 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Verse 15. So he made a whip. This is Jesus, by the way. He made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. 
he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. So let me ask you this. When you just closed your eyes and when you thought of Jesus, what was the first word that came to mind? Was it wild? Was it crazy? Was it a guy going ballistic and turning over tables? Anybody? Wild? Probably not, right? A little crazy. You have to be a little crazy to do something like that. So let's just pause here for a second and you ask, what is Jesus really trying to show us here? What, what is he getting after? That This is not the Jesus that I know. This is actually a little scary. I thought Jesus was like the Jesus that has all the, the Cabbage Patch kids and the sheep come up to him and he's warm and gentle. And now this Jesus just went nuts in the temple. What is Jesus trying to get us to see here? Now, some religious people and some people that will read this will just jump to the conclusion and say, oh, this is the perfect proof text. This is the perfect scripture that we should never sell anything in church. Get rid of all the VBS t-shirts, get rid of the CDs, get rid of the donut holes, get rid of the foo-foo drinks, get rid of all that stuff. We should never sell anything in church. Before you jump to that conclusion, before we judge so quickly, let's let, dig a little bit deeper. Go back to the passage. Before we assume, we, we know it's important to know this is the temple, this is the central place of worship for the Jewish faith. And one of the things that they do in the temple is they offer sacrifices, the kind of sacrifices that lead to forgiveness of sin and to have a better standing, a better relationship before God. But before Jesus comes, which we know he has come and he is the lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice, before then, if you're a good and devout Jew, this is a regular trip that you take to the temple for the Passover. So imagine that you live far away. Let's say that you live here in Des Moines, and the temple is in the holy city, and that's Iowa City, because that's God's town. Let's just say that, okay? So you live here in Des Moines, and the temple is in Iowa City, where the Hawkeyes are, okay? That's the holy city. I'm just, I just, it just randomly came to mind, okay? That's the holy city. So you are making your trip there. That's a long wait. You can't hop in your car and drive to Iowa City. You travel mostly by donkey or horse or camel or by foot. So this is going to take a very long time. And if you are going to the temple to sacrifice an animal, why would you bring an animal with you for that hundreds of miles of a journey in chance that it might get scraped or killed or clawed or defamed in some way? Then it's not pure anymore. The purpose of a sacrifice was to have a spotless lamb or a spotless dove or whatever the animal was. And so what the, 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 the money changers in the temple, they were very smart. They were businessmen. And so what they would do is in the outer court of the temple where even the Gentiles could go, they set up all these tables and all these stands where you could purchase a spotless animal to then go and make your sacrifice before God. If I'm a good and holy and, 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 and right standing before God Jew, I want, I want to continue that. So why would I not pay an arm and a leg to be in a right relationship with God? Well, the money changers knew that. And what Jesus was so upset about was that they were jacking up the prices. It's like when you, if you're the gas, only gas station for 200 miles, you can charge whatever you want, right? There's no gas station from Des Moines to Iowa City I'm going to make a lot of money if I own that gas station. And the same was true with them. They just jacked up the prices. 
And Jesus knew that, and Jesus came in. This became a tradition that everybody just assumed, great, that's the way we've always done it. It must be good. And so Jesus comes in, he says, this is not right. There are selfish gains and lying and cheating going on just to worship God. It's important to know, Jesus is not against tradition. Hear me say that. We as the church are not against tradition. Jesus was a Jew his entire life. He grew up. He probably made this pilgrimage several times. You have to understand that. This is not a bad tradition, but the way they were doing it was unhealthy. Healthy traditions point us to God instead of getting in the way. Does that make sense? Healthy traditions point us to God instead of getting in the way. So it's important to ask, what's on Jesus' heart? Why is he doing this? Look again at verse 17. Everybody look at your, your, look at your Bible, verse 17. Right, over, right after Jesus turns over the tables, we read this. That's okay. His disciples remembered that it is written. And let's read this together nice and loud up on the screen. Zeal for your house will consume me. That's a prophecy from the Old Testament. Another word for zeal, some other translations have it. Passion, deep passion, deep inside of his gut, deep passion for God's house, for worship, will consume him. Jesus was passionate for true worship in the temple then, as he is today, for your worship. Zeal for your heart consumes him. For our hearts. For, for all of you. Not, not just our traditions, but for all of you. To be all in. That your heart would be consumed with his, the way that he is consumed with you. Later on in the Gospel of John, a couple chapters later in, in, in chapter 4, Jesus encounters a woman at the well. You remember this story? Picking up where he left off, Jesus says, a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers, do you want to be a true worshiper? This is how you do it. Will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Everybody say spirit. 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 No, I, I, I don't think you're excited enough. Spirit. Spirit. And truth. And truth. In spirit and truth. In other words, in everything that we do as a church, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our worship and our prayer, even our decisions? How do we make decisions as a church? Is it what's most popular? Is it what other churches are doing? What if we've never done it before? And God says, do it. What if it's out of our comfort zone? What if it's going to stretch you a little bit? And God says, go. Take a leap of faith. We go wherever the Spirit leads. And the second is truth. Are we obedient to God's word? Hear me say this. The message of the gospel never changes, but the method of how we communicate the gospel needs to always change. Because we live in a rapidly changing world. So why would we not use every innovation that is available to us to reach people? The gospel hasn't changed for 2,000 years, and it never will, but our methods will always be changing. We, will, we may change in the future when our service times are. Oh, no. It might throw off your schedule. We may change what classes we offer. 
we may change what we do for outreach. And so we have done that in the past, and this past year we asked God, okay, we're moving into this new neighborhood and our new building. What, God, what would you want us to do to kind of get our feet on the ground? What would you want us to do to start to have a presence in the Sherman Hill neighborhood? And we heard, go love kids. Go love the kids. Be accessible. Create an environment where everybody is invited. We've never done VBS before. What if, it, what if it goes terribly wrong? What if the pastor makes a complete fool out of himself and pulls a muscle? Oh, wait, he did that. We've never done it before, but what the Spirit says, go, we go. Oh, it's going to be messy. It's going to be difficult. We're going to be missing things. We're missing some cables this morning. We're, we're going to, there's going to be some things missing. We're going to make a mess. We're going to break some things. You know what I like to say? It's better to have a Jesus party and clean up afterwards than to never party at all. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and that's kind of what we did this week. And so we had this week-long Jesus party called VBS. And hundreds of you got to experience that joy. If you missed it, we want to give you just a taste. Some of the things you have to say, yeah, you kind of had to be there. Well, hopefully this will help. This is just a glimpse of what we did this week. Take a look. Oh, let's give God some praise. Some of you just love being on camera, I can tell. Let me go back to the question I asked you at the very beginning. Where are you at on the joyometer this morning? Where are you at? Peg to this side, peg to that side, somewhere in the middle. I don't know how you go through a week like that or watch something like that and not come away wondering, when's the last time that I was that energized in my faith? Or maybe for some of you, if we're honest, where did all my joy go? After the first day, I mean, I was really, really sore. And I was asking myself that question. <laughs> no, seriously, I was asking myself that question. I haven't smiled this much in a long time. I haven't laughed this much in a long time. My joyometer was way over there. And I'm not just asking you that of like, oh, pastor wants us to be happy, because once you know Jesus, then everything's hunky-dory, and it's great. Jesus isn't talking about happiness. He's talking about joy. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you stay connected to me, you're going to bear much fruit. And later on in the book of Galatians, Jesus says the fruits of the spirit are love, joy. So this is something that should naturally be happening to us. This isn't for wild and crazy kids that we say, oh, they're cute. This isn't just for the VBS volunteers that were there and got exhausted. This is for all of us. If we're followers of Jesus, joy is a natural output. It is a fruit of who we are. Jesus says, stay connected to me and you're not going to get lost in tradition. And you're not going to get lost in just religion if you let me have your whole hearts, then you're going to find real joy. Let's read it together up on the screen from John 15, chapter 11. Read it like you mean it again. Here we go. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Where are you on the joyometer these days? I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about something deeper. 
Joy. Real, true joy. Here's the thing. Some of you take yourselves way too seriously. And you know who you are, right? And I know, folks, some of us are we're private people. Some of us are introverts. I'm one of them. I don't like being in front of large crowds of people. I know that is hard for you to believe. I am an introvert. Every, after each worship service, I go back to the bean closet and curl up and cry for a little bit. But I am. And some of us are more private people. And you're saying, John, this whole VBS thing, this whole jumping around and crazy thing, it's not really for me. It's just, it's just not my thing. But I can't read scripture. I can't read Jesus' words. I can't read Paul's letters and not believe and not believe in the core of my being that smiling and laughing and having a deep-rooted joy in your soul is a characteristic of mature followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I don't think we can be faithful to Scripture and be grumps all the time. <laughs> scripture says, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. And I'm not talking about just putting on a smiley face and pretending everything's fine. I'm saying, regardless of your circumstances, I'm saying, right in the middle of your circumstances, why can't you dance through life instead of salt through life? Some of the people with the most joy in Scripture were the ones who were persecuted the most, who suffered the most. And you tell me how that logically makes sense. It doesn't. Where's your joy? You, being a Christian doesn't mean that we just sit around waiting for heaven to come someday so we can get in. Being a Christian means that we experience the gift of God, gifts of God, right now, here, today, and one of those is joy. And some of you might be wondering, you know, why all the fuss? Why, why would a church, why would our church, let alone any church, go to this much work? Our song leaders started rehearsing in April. Because it's just a silly little kid thing? No. Because it was a full-blown revival. And when you know that Jesus is going to show up in a powerful way, you prepare yourself and you get ready just as we should every single morning here at worship. Why would we go to all this trouble for just a silly little kids program? Number one, if you're keeping score at home. First and foremost, because kids need to hear the good news of God's love. Not just hear about it, but experiencing it through adults who are willing to, for one week at least, I know, put aside our own egos for the sake of these kids knowing Jesus. And number two, maybe just as important, why do we do Vacation Bible School? Why do we do Kingdom Quest every week? Why do we do these things so that kids can teach us? Those of you that were there this week, I think we got an education didn't we? Scripture says in several different places, let the children come. Matthew 19, verse 14. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Jesus says, do you need an example of what I'm looking for in faith? What you heard and saw this morning. That's it. Jesus says, this is what happens when you let my authentic joy take over. In fact, his joy can teach us a few specific things, and I just want to highlight three before we're done. First, it's the kind of joy that would lead so many of you to dance like complete maniacs all week. 
Some of you that I look out on Sunday mornings and when we're worshiping, this is about as much enthusiasm as we get. This is how you normally stand, because you're taking yourself very seriously. And when I say, get crazy for Jesus, you go. Now, I'm not poking fun. I'm just saying, those same people this week, uh, we said, get crazy for Jesus. And we had this one song uh, where there was kind of a, a chance for an interpretive dance. And when you tell church people... Adults, you know, a lot of Lutherans and Catholics in here to have interpretive dancing. You never quite know what you're going to get. And so it's supposed to kind of look something like this. Like you're supposed to do a little hula action. All the kids just nail it. Like they're perfect dancers, obviously. And I look out and some of you, <clears throat> something like this. Like seriously, we need some help. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need some help dancing. Seriously, we need some help dancing. It was, it was rough. Some of you just kind of got lost in all the joy of it, and you started to really get into your own little thing, and I, you know, I encourage you, when you're dancing and you don't know what you're doing, you know, stay in your box. Don't go too crazy. So, you know, stay in your box. So some of you are just kind of doing this little thing, and I'm like, I don't know, you got the shapes or something. I don't know what was going on, but man, we thought we were there to teach the kids. Through that whole experience, some of you learned this week a much deeper truth of how much we live for the approval of the crowd. Not just on the dance floor, but what about your everyday life? What's more important to you, the approval of the crowd or the approval of the one who created you? Have you ever just stop and think how often you base your decisions on what everybody else thinks versus... God? When's the last time you stopped and asked God, how do, you, how do you think that I should spend my time? How do you think that I should spend my money? Who, should, who do you think that I should be in relationship with? What are you calling me to do in this church? Not what I want to do, God. What are you calling me to do? Yet God's joy through these children is not just regulated to dancing. It's the kind of joy that would make so many of you voluntarily, and this just blows me away, give five nights in a row for three hours to hang out with some crazy, smelly, sticky, messy kids. By the end of the week, the gym smelled like something. I don't know. <laughs> There were so many other things that compete for our time. There were so many other things that you could have done this week. And, and, and when I say volunteering, this is what one of you said this week. I said, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for volunteering. And this person said, I'm not a volunteer. I'm not volunteering. I'm serving God. This is not a sign your name out of duty sort of thing. This is a... Adults coming up to me and saying, can we do it again next week? No. <laughs> I'm not volunteering. I'm serving God. We ran into a certain uh, gentleman uh, that was uh, not volunteering. He was serving God. And he came on the first night. And uh, he was from another one of those campuses, actually. And he came up to us and... Um, she just said, you know, I'm here, just plug me in anywhere. And so we needed some extra help with the shepherds, the people that walk around, like you saw in the video, with the kids. And so we plugged him in, and I think he had never done that role before, and he was a little nervous, and he was a little out of his comfort zone. 
And so we just plugged him in, and so he had a group of kids that was mostly from that neighborhood, and some of them, I'm guessing, didn't speak very good English. And, um, you know, at the end of the night, we didn't know, man, did he have a rough night? Was it really difficult? And so we just said, hey, you know, once you know everything's fine, you don't have to come back if you don't want to. And we honestly didn't know if he would want to come back. So we were talking to him afterwards. We said, hey, there's no pressure. You know, you don't need to come back. And he said, come back. Of course I'm going to come back. Because what if the kids show up again tomorrow? And I'm not here. Some of the kids we saw one night, sometimes two nights, sometimes three nights. They were in and out with, I don't know. And then he said something that just grabbed me. <laughs> he says, um, of course I'm coming back. He said, what if my kids come back and I'm not here? As in the group that he had just met two and a half hours ago. What if my kids, not those kids, not the, the, the children that I'm voluntarily giving my time for, my kids, the kids that I've built a relationship with. And I started thinking about that. I said, well, what if we just started adopting that mindset as a church? <laughs> our kids, meaning if they're in Des Moines, they're our kids because they're God's kids. And this isn't John the pastor's mission or Andy's mission or the staff's mission or just some people that are really excited about their faith's mission. It's our mission. They're our kids. And what if they show up and we're not there? And we thought we were going to be the ones teaching the kids. The joy of the Lord will change you if you let it in. And last but not least, kids teach us that the joy of discovering God's love with a childlike innocence. Like it was the very first time. Like it was the very first time. We did this, uh, this exercise every day at BBS. We did this, this kind of fun game uh, with the kids and just got them thinking about uh, God's love in, in a lot of different ways. John, what is that? What? Do you see that up there in the sky? What? I, I, what is it? That's God's love. Oh, there it comes. No. Is it a bird? Get ready for it. Get your arms out like this. Get your, get your arms, arms out. God's love is coming. Oh, my word. Here it comes. Oh, oh my word. Here it comes. It. It's so big. It's huge. It's, it's oh. so wide. Everybody get ready. All right, get ready. Here it it's really heavy. It's really big. Ready to catch it? Oh, oh. my word. Oh, you got it. Oh, wow. Oh. I don't think everybody caught it. I think we should do that again. <laughs> I don't think everybody had their arms Pick it up off the floor. Pick okay. it up off the floor. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. What do you do with God's love, Andy? Put some in your heart. You put it you in, your heart. in your heart. Put oh, it in it's in my heart, but there's so there's much so left much over. Extra. I think we gotta give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Oh, my word. Give it away. You gotta give up. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, Pastor Andy, the spirit was moving. I guess. Give, give uh, a. <laughs> Unbelievable. Sometimes when the spirit moves, you gotta follow. You know. And we giggle and we think, oh, John, that's cute. When's the last time you were filled with joy because of how big God's love is for you? I'm not saying, yes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I memorized that growing up. 
How about like this morning when you got up? Was it real for you? And better yet, what if we actually did it? I'm not saying that following Jesus is easy. It is not easy. But when it comes right down to it, it's very simple. God's love is so big, and it's so vast, and it's so wide for you. Will you receive it, and will you let it all the way in? Will you put it in your heart, and then you realize, I can't keep this to myself? Faith is a very personal thing. It is never meant to be a private thing. And when you have so much and when your heart is overflowing, what do you do? You give it away. You tell everybody that you know. God's love for you is so huge that you can't contain it all that he gave you, his one and only son, to die so that you can know whatever you're facing today. Everybody just look at me for a second. Whatever you're facing today, whatever is going on, whether you're having struggle in a relationship in your marriage, whether you're weighed down by your sin or your guilt or you're afraid of something that's coming in the future, there's, there's a sickness or there's an illness that you're struggling with, no matter what it is, God's love is stronger. God's love is stronger. God's love is stronger. God's love is stronger. And it will always be stronger, whatever it is. And I pray this morning that you would know that his love will always be stronger than anything that life could throw your way. Listen to the kids. They're teaching you truth. They're reminding you of the joy of the gospel. Don't miss it. Listen to the kids. Listen to Jesus when he says, let the little children come to me. Open up your heart and let it all the way in. You didn't think we were going to go through a whole service about VBS without you standing on your feet, did you? Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Oh, my word. You know what? There it is. Everybody look. Back there in the back corner of the gym. Look. Turn around. Look. There it is. Everybody point. There it is. Oh, my word. Here it comes. Get your arms out. It's so big. It's so huge. Tell your neighbor it's so big. It's so big. Tell them, here it comes. Here it comes. Get ready for it. Oh, my word. Here it comes. You better catch it. It's coming down. Everybody look up in the sky. Here it comes. Oh, my word. Catch it. Catch it. Catch it. I don't think you caught it. Catch it. Catch it. Now hold it. Hold it. What do you do? What do you do with God's love? What do you do with God's love? What do you do with God's love? 